Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark, on the road today, out of town in Kimball, Tennessee. And today we're talking about the next sermon that is one of my favorites to preach. It is called God's Way is Weird. For the next six weeks, Lord willing, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about, God's Way. The difference between God's Way and man's way in the first three weeks and then in the next three weeks after that, how God's way works. Michael Sullivan wrote the following. If AP stats taught me anything, it's that the 95% of the data points that lie under the bell curve are statistically less significant than the 5% that fall to the right or left of the bell. And the quirky, crazy outliers that don't fit inside the normal curve seem a lot more interesting. So maybe I don't want to be normal anymore. I want to be successful. And if that means I have to jump some hurdles that other people don't, so what? As Frederick Nietzsche said, or Nietzsche, depending on how you say it, that which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. No, it wasn't Kelly Clarkson that said that first. You know, too many people want to be normal. In fact, according to a survey by CNBC, In 2018, the average American was $131,000 in debt. They spent about $69 a day. They would read just four books a year. They spend 116 minutes a day. About two hours of that is on social media. Five hours a day on their cell phones. The average American would consume 11 alcoholic drinks a week. They exercise for just 17 minutes a day. They have less than $1,000 in savings and make around $48,000 a year. Now, I want to do this live because I didn't think to do this when I made this lesson. If the average person spends $69 a day, they spend $25,185 a year. It doesn't include bills, of course, but you should still have just a little under $23,000 left. But so many people wanting to be normal and chasing the rat race, and I I think all of us have at times fallen into that. I know I've been guilty of it before. We're not what we really need to be when we're trying to be what others say we must be. Would it really surprise you to notice that if you and I follow God, we're just weird? Isaiah gave us some insight into God's ways, and and I know some would would argue about the, the proper meaning of this text, but I do think we can take what it says and understand that obviously, just from a logical perspective, we're not on the same uni, you know uh, universe as God. He's he's in a different universe, you know, so to speak. We're not on the same platform. We're not on the same level. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than yours. I am not you, and you are not me, God says. But then how do we marry that with what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1 to imitate Paul as he imitated God's Son? Or verse 16 of chapter 4, I urge you, brethren, imitate me. Imitation is possible. And today I want us to think about that God's way is weird when it comes to the way the world thinks about the family in the first place here. 
about religion and just about the world in general. You know, the family has been one of the most attacked institutions by Satan ever. In fact, it was the first place, one of the first places that Satan tried to harm Job in Job 1 through 2. And today our biggest issues stem from the family being redefined. But God still has the right to define what is a family. And he did. He he said a family consists of three bodies of people. It consists of a husband, who is a married man considered in relation to a spouse, according to the New Oxford Dictionary. There's one real key concept about man that we can notice from that definition in the New Oxford Dictionary and from Genesis 2-7 and verse 18. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Just 11 verses later, God says, it's not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make him a helper comparable to him. And so that's exactly what God did in verses 21 through 23. He puts Adam to sleep, takes a rib, and formed a woman. But there's job descriptions that God also gave that many would say would be weird. A man must first leave father and mother, Genesis 2.24, if he's going to be a man. He cannot be a man if he's going to get married, that is, and stay at home. That's just not possible. Now, I understand, and I've even been on the receiving end of this side. Sometimes, you and I might have to live with our parents for a time. Maybe we fell on a financial hardship. I don't think that's what God's talking about here, but I I do think that God is saying, you cannot be dependent upon your parents if you're going to be a man that's married. He's to love his wife, Ephesians 5, 25 through 29. Loving her as Christ loved the church, meaning he puts her first. He would die for her. He makes sure that she has what she needs. He's to be the head of the house, Ephesians five twenty three. Now, often we have misunderstood what that means. Some would indicate that Ephesians 5.23 is a statement that makes it the kingdom of the castle, and therefore the man is the king, and he can dictate and do whatever he wants. I I don't really think that's what God intended for us to make the the takeaway uh, be there. I don't think God wanted us to look at it and say, you know, hey, uh, you can basically just govern the house however you see fit. No, it's the head of the house as Christ is the head of the church. And so the comparison there being that the man is like Christ is that Christ does what's best for the church. Christ governs the church in a way that will make it to where the church itself functions and operates in a way that is helpful to it. Not dictatorship, love. And if the husband's ahead of the wife, then there's some things that he's got to do in order to help that. The last real piece of the puzzle, just as the husband and wife is concerned, is that he provides for his family, 1 Timothy 
If any doesn't provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith, and he's worse than an unbeliever. But if you were to take these qualifications and these definitions and give them to the average person today, you're weird. And we haven't even gotten, in reality, to the most controversial one. So let's talk about it. God's way is weird when it comes to the role of the wife, who is a married woman considered in relation to her spouse, according to the New Oxford Dictionary. The wife is not second because God dislikes her. God doesn't have anything against women. In fact, it could very easily be said that womankind, if you will, are the biggest help God ever gave to man on this earth. She's supposed to be a help meeting. He looked at man and said, he's not complete. I'm going to make him someone that will make him complete. What's her role then? Well, there's three things that we can really find. Two of them from Titus, one from Ephesians. But the first is she's to love her husband, Titus 2.4. Admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children even, it says in verse 4. But because the husband is the head of the house the head of the wife, really. She submits to that. Verse 22 of Ephesians 5. Be subject to their own husbands in everything, meaning when the husband is providing spiritual leadership, you you don't buck up against that. You don't fight against your spouse, whom God has ordained to be in that position. You submit. And and submitting doesn't make you less than. Husbands, if you and I are not known to be the type of person that is easy to submit to, though, we're, we're part of the problem then. And in reality, we could even say that we might be the problem. But you know, to the world today, when we talk about marriage being between one man and one woman, and, and now... I wrote this in 2018. Even now you have to change that to be one biological man and one biological woman, even more than back in 2018 when this discussion was still going on about transgenderism and other things. It's even harder than it was then. And even more necessary now to even use those words of one biological man, one biological woman together for life. We're just deemed weird. So God's way is weird when it comes to the family. God's way is also weird when it comes to religion. You know, idolatry, I'll get it right here in a minute, is unfortunately common in the Old and New Testament. And even today, we could get into that discussion. When Paul visited the Areopagus, he made a startling discovery that they had an idol for every god under the sun, including one to the unknown god. And so Paul's informing these individuals about something that had seemed strange or weird to them. There's only one God. We have several. And we even have one, just in case we missed one. But God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. And you know to many people in the New Testament that the temple was the most holy place one could find. It was God's house. 
Paul further tells them that they need to repent and be prepared for the judgment day, which would have also been weird to what they were possibly teaching. Acts 17, 25 through 21, you know, in the past God winked at this ignorance, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. God's way is weird when it also comes to the world, really living like the world. We're supposed to be transformed. Shameless plug for Caleb's podcast there. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Don't become formed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be the world. Be different. Be weird. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, You're a chosen... Uh, rosen, a choi- Here we go. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Some translations say a peculiar people, his own special, that you may proclaim the praises of him who are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know what the word peculiar means? Particular or special, sure, but it also can mean strange or odd. It will be peculiar to people by the way that you and I live. Probably chief among the reason that people think that we're weird is that Suffering to the world is so foreign that they think it makes us horrible people to believe in a God that would allow suffering to take place. But you see in First Peter five twelve through 13, it says, By Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. Suffering doesn't make you a terrible person. You know, after you've suffered a while, verse 10, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you, that this is what God's going to do. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greet you, and so does Mark, my son. Hey, greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, listen, as we close this episode out today, The world is weird in its view of God and in its view of religion, the family, suffering. But you and I can be different. We're called to be different. Be weird. Lord willing, next week we're going to talk about a second thing in regards to God's way is weird. And the struggle that we face to be normal. Until then, please God now, so our eternity is far better.